0: This is Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's time for Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. It's your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. My name is Tim Gasper, a longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, joined by Juan Cicada.
1: Hey, Tim. I'm Juan, a principal scientist at Data.World, and... We made it. We made it to the season finale, season three. It is Wednesday, middle of the week, end of the day, and end of our season. Season and, end. And it is time to celebrate yeah. and, and and do the takeaways of the takeaways of the takeaways.
0: So we got the bubbly yeah. to celebrate. Not exactly a cocktail, but that's okay. We're breaking the rules.
1: Many times, many times. Uh, <laughs> part of me thinks like we've got to be careful with, with our name, right? It's cocktails, but maybe we should switch it to cocktails and beer and
0: yeah are your favorite beverage of data choice. and drinks yeah no no, that's like, <laughs> no. no
1: <laughs> let's just keep it i like cataloging cocktails let's do that anyway so what are we drinking what are we toasting for well we're having some bubbles yeah um,
0: and uh, i guess toasting <laughs> for a successful season this was our most popular season yet um thank you to all of you cheers to you all for for watching for tagging along for jumping into the comments i don't know if you all know but when you comment on youtube and facebook and and twitter and stuff like that it shows up live here so next season you know keep on being a part of the conversation keep on joining us because we love you that you're what make this show possible
1: going back 95 episodes today we started over two years ago, it was, I think, May 15th or something, mm-hmm. two years ago. And I honestly did not think that we'd get here. Mm-hmm. And actually, this is just the beginning. Like, we're going to take a break for uh, for the summer because we are planning out what next season is going to look like. We have a lot of great guests coming up, a lot of topics. We're going to be hitting the, lot, the road. So a lot more stuff to come, but let's go cheers. Yeah. Cheers to on Cocktails and cheers to everyone, everybody who's listening to us because it's all thanks to you.
0: So we're excited today to go through a recap of what happened this season. What were the key big takeaways? We've got six big themes that we want to make sure to cover with you all. Uh, And we can't wait. So
1: take it away. Let's jump right in. Tim,
0: take us 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 away with with the takeaways takeaways of of the takeaways. takeaways. (laughs) Number one, you go. Jinx. All right. So first big topic, the modern data stack. It was a big theme throughout our season. Sort of what is the modern status data stack? How do we take advantage of it? What are the pieces of it? How does it bring value to our organizations and to us as individuals? And um, we'll hit, I'll hit a few different themes here. So. First of all, Sarah Catanzaro, um, partner over at Amplify Partners, um, talked about sort of this pendulum in IT that we've seen over history where sort of things go more to the infrastructure side and then they go more to the analytics side and then infrastructure analytics and the pendulum kind of swings back and forth. And um, in, in recent years, um, you know, go back five, six years there was a swing towards analytics into BI. And so you saw like Looker and sort of this next generation of BI tools kind of come out and the pendulum really swung in that direction. You also see companies like ThoughtSpot, that kind of thing. And that pendulum's kind of swinging back in the other direction now. Uh, And she talked about how very recently companies have been focusing a lot on things like the data models, the documentation around the data, the monitoring of the data, the sort of the observability and things like that. Uh, And where maybe previously there was a lot of focus on analytics, um, we realized that like, yeah, analytics are good, but if if you're building a house on a foundation of garbage, that's going to be a problem, right? So you got to get your data in order and and there's a strong realization of that in the market. We've lost sight of what we do with the data and we got to make sure we do that well. Um, So that was really valuable there around thinking about why we've been talking about modern data stack and why is it bigger than just like a fancy analytics tool, right? Um, Emily Hawkins, Data Engineering Manager of Data Platform over at Drizzly, uh, joined us and she talked about kind of what she thought were the core components of the modern data stack. She said, of course, DBT, get that in there to manage your transformations. And that brings not just a code based approach, but a versioned approach to how you manage how your data goes from sort of its raw inputs into the stuff that's going to be used by those different analytics tools. Five Tran, right? A modern integration tool. Uh, Snowflake, a modern uh, warehouse. Looker, a modern business intelligence tool. Dagster, orchestration, right? And then uh, all of that, which is interesting, is something that could be implemented in uh, two years and in, in her experiences, right? And so one of the benefits of modern data stack, implementing it quickly. Well, um, two
1: years is quick. Uh, we'll see. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah. How fast can you go before you're really uh, just getting a little too crazy, right?
1: Let's be some honest, no BS. Yeah. Here, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> too fast? Is it fast? I don't know. <laughs> Chime in in the comments. Um, uh, Arjun uh, from Materialize, co founder and CEO, he talked about this, the MDS, the Modern Data Stack Core, as well, about how you need sort of the reporting, you want to be able to take action on decisions. He focused a lot around actions, the, important and sort of, the importance of sort of like data's coming into your organization. And the modern data stack actually needs to orient itself as much around actually real time as possible. How do we take actions in real time? How do we personalize and do other sorts of things in real time? That can be a big difference maker. And that's where a lot of the especially new parts of the modern data stack, like these streaming data warehouses like Materialize, are focused on. He talked about how streaming um, can really be a couple of different things. It's not just sort of the incremental stuff that's coming in, uh, but it also can be the deltas, the sort of how things are changing and comparing changes over time. Um, So it was good to kind of hear sort of a different perspective on what streaming can be. Uh, And he talked about how um, sort of this extract and load that's gonna start to become more and more real time. Like the paradigm in the past has been much more around sort of like batches or fast batches. And even DBT is a little bit more of a batch based approach usually when you're applying it. Um, He's talking about how really we're gonna get more and more into streaming architecture. That's gonna be a big part. And one of the key use cases he talked about uh, was notifications. Like anytime you need to notify somebody, alert a customer needs to get a coupon in real time. Anything that's notification oriented is going to be heavily built on this idea of streaming. Um, Bob Muglia came on and talked to us and some of what he talked about as well oriented around the modern data stack. He's the former CEO of Snowflake, entrepreneur, investor, and just a maven of the data space for a long time. Uh, And he said that the modern data stack needs to deliver analytics on SaaS. Uh, It needs to leverage the public cloud because that's what's going to give you scale and cost. And the modern data stack is going to give you, uh, be based on SQL, on SQL, because that's what's going to be the sort of the lingua franca of the modeling and the sort of the, the, just the semantics within your stack, right? Uh, and uh, and that, that essentially are the, the core tenets of modern data stack, are those, those three things. Uh, and you talked a little bit about even though SQL is sort of the core of the modern data stack, that that's not to say that SQL is perfect. In fact, it's far from it. SQL is not God's gift to language, he said, uh, and it's but it's not going to go away. And you know, maybe even you look at the English language, right? The English language is not a perfect language, but you know what? It's very popular. It's used in a lot of ways, and it's probably not going away anytime soon, right? So, random, uh, random metaphor there. Um, what else? Modern data stack. Nong Lee, the CEO and co-founder of O'CAra, said that the modern data stack has actually an issue. So we talked about the different components of it. Uh, we talked about sort of what it is and what it represents from from Bob. Nong said that there's this issue around policy. Like policy is not unified today across the modern data stack. Um, and policy being like, who should access what? And you know um, uh, how do you manage the security around these different things? Uh, policy is very cross-cutting, uh, but what tools responsible for policy? It's kind of unclear, right? And that's why over at Ocara is an example of a tool that's trying to to solve some things around policy. Chad Sanderson joined the show. He's the head of product of data platform over at Convoy. And he talked about how the modern data stack is valuable, right? And, and he's implemented a sort of a version of the modern data stack within his own company, solving real problems. But he said that the way that a lot of people in the space, in the data space, talk about the modern data stack is a little bit disjointed, We're kind of doing things a little bit out of order when we talk about the modern data stack and when we try to implement it just if you follow sort of what the marketing is saying. And he said that... Um, Um, right now, if you're just kind of like getting all the data and sticking it in the lake, and then just trying to sort of say like, yeah, let's democratize that and let's just transform it however it is, that you're building the modern data stack on a foundation that is like a swamp. It's like liquid, and and, and you and the things you build on top of it, they slowly sink into it, and they're lopsided, and things like that. If you're moving too quickly, the questions about like what you transform and who you're going to transform, well, you know, what, who's going to do the transformation, who owns the transformation, those things don't get answered properly, and things get really messy. So you really do have to approach modern data stack with a, an idea of how do we do a sound foundation, how do we approach this in a really smart way. Uh, Sarah Krasnick, the founder of versionable.io, Uh, talked to us about her own modern data stack. And she actually talked about sort of more an enterprise modern data stack and a startup modern data stack. And her perspective actually was a little different than uh, some of the other folks that we talked to. She talked about actually that an enterprise modern data stack, rather than taking a vendor-based approach, uh, which certainly you can do, right, and Snowflake, Vivetran, all that kind of stuff, that actually open source can make a lot of sense in the enterprise landscape. And that every new vendor you take on and that you bring on is going to be a lot of time and uh, especially in terms of financial uh, investment and that open source actually can be a very viable solution if you're a larger enterprise and you can throw the resources at it that requires to sort of upkeep that that sort of open, uh, open solution. Uh, and that uh, for startups, right, maybe you want to move way quicker, open source isn't really as viable for you, but still something like dbt may actually make a lot of sense for you. Um, she did mention though that starting with dbt may be hard because um because you have to learn this framework and it kind of adds complexity on top of sql maybe just starting with sql can be fine your, a transformation language that is sql could be a good start on your way to adopting dbt so interesting perspectives there um she also talked about you know you should catalog your knowledge every bi dashboard starts with a question Um, You don't always need to build things at scale. You can just start from sort of data and and do what works, right? Do what works first before you have to scale it up. Um, If you scale a hacky system, that's a problem though. So you do have to make sure that you think about resiliency, that um, if you need to claim data bankruptcy, that you do that. But ideally you don't have to do that. Um, And you should ahead of time think about what is data bankruptcy for you. Um, So that way you can avoid it instead of having to go bankrupt.
1: Actually, think about what if your team right now just cut in half? What's going to happen? Leaders should be thinking about that.
0: Yeah, think about that chaos monkey kind of approach. Like what happens if a chaos element came in? What if half your team went away? What if your database went out of business? Right? Think about those types of things. Uh, And she talked about things like the metrics layer as well. But we'll talk about that a little bit more in an upcoming section. Um, Luke Slotwinski, the VP of Data Analytics at Prologis, um, said that an important aspect of the modern data stack that's a little under talked about is the catalog. Right, where are you keeping track of the discovery and the governance around sort of your your uh, modern data stack? You know, we've got catalog up here in the uh, the name of our uh, our podcast here, so we think catalogs are pretty cool. Um, and as part of that, you want to have a canonical model both of the semantics. Uh, as well as the data, the physical data itself, to help you really drive the sort of the slicing and dicing that different analysts need to do for various business questions. And he, he plugged data virtualization as also another thing that isn't often talked about in the context of the modern data stack, but actually can be a really effective way to get access to lots of different data, bring it together to solve business questions without having to do lots and lots and lots of more complicated integration. And to round out our conversation around modern data stack, we had Sanjeev Mohan, who's the owner and principal of Sanjmo Consulting, uh, talk with us. Um, Sanjeev is great. It's always uh, a pleasure pleasure. chatting with Sanjeev. And um, he really talked about the fact that in the modern data stack and in the sort of data space in general, we've got this micro segmentation going on. We're like, every layer of the stack is getting sliced in half and in quarters and in eighths. And, and it's like, well, we're we're not observability. We're, you know, alerting for data and we're just alerting for data from your warehouse. And like, so things are getting really sliced up and um, that's making it confusing for the market. Um, with uh, and, and even with it sliced up, there are still like 20 vendors in every box claiming that they're sort of in that box. So that, that can be challenging to navigate, right? It can be confusing. You get like the Matt Turk diagram where it's just like, Like all the logos. Um, And uh, he said that ultimately customers just care about future proofing, right? Uh, Not just following where the sort of the technology winds are blowing. uh, And they care about the business problems they're trying to solve. So um, it's important that we don't forget about that. Like we get excited about the technology. I mean, it's exciting. There's exciting stuff happening in the space. But ultimately, we're trying to solve people's problems and help them future proof. Um, He said that the core modern data stack for him was the building blocks of integration, so like Fivetran, transformation like DBT, and the warehouse like Snowflake. Uh, And he talked about two approaches that you can go towards making that modern data stack, best of breed and then integrate it together, or an integrated solution where maybe they already have all those different pieces together that might be more expensive, but then you don't have to worry about actually the integration of that. And then finally he said that metadata is the glue he said that metadata should really be the leader that drives your security your privacy your access your transformation metadata should be the driver that actually helps for things like moving to the cloud and doing cost reduction Um, Like one of the things that uh, he noticed is that as people are moving to the cloud, some companies are realizing that they thought they were going to save money by moving to the cloud, but actually they're spending more money by moving to the cloud than they were on their legacy systems. And so that's something where metadata can actually help you solve that. Uh, And then finally, he said that using a graph for your metadata can be a very effective way to analyze the relationships, the centrality, those different aspects around your metadata. And that in general, having graph-based metadata as part of your stack is very important as part of the modern data stack. So that section's a little bit tech tech heavy Right. But I think it's interesting to hear about the technology side of the equation. That,
1: that was a long one. That, that, I think that was long on purpose because it was the most popular one that we had. Right. I think the second uh, popular topic there is about semantics, layers, metrics, layers, knowledge, layers. So let's go dive into this. So yep. we had Ben Stansel. Uh, he's the founder of mode and ben was saying hey metrics layer that yeah that should be a thing because business uses metrics in so many different places and those me- and the problem is that those metrics are defined in so many different places that's what we need to go keep track about try to keep track of all these things and we need to ask the questions that are that, that are small deviations so if like hey if you ask what is a user go ask a user to different people and figure out how they're deviating what is revenue and go ask how they're deviating from it right if, if and then what is the most important thing for your business for example well, if it's Airbnb, for them it's bookings. So how do they define bookings? If it's Uber, it's rides. How do they define these things? So I think that was an important aspect to consider there. Uh, Karen Lopez, um, she's uh, she has she's a principal at I think Info Advisors, uh, Data Chick on Twitter. Uh, when we start, we talked a lot about data modeling, and one of these things was, hey, experts think that data is simple to go model it's really simple but really probably just half of the stuff is really simple uh we really need to be able to understand the trade-offs of what we're going to go model and when we just say it's just an exception uh it's not really an exception right because you get then you start getting a bunch of a bunch of these different exceptions around there one man's lookup table is another man's universe I really love that quote that was a, that was a great quote uh, I mean you never know how people are thinking about these things right we always talk about hey uh, you have what do null values mean and so forth right that was some that was a big 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 topic that comes up um, what are your best pra- practices consider your trade-offs carefully that means that we really need to start documenting what these trade-offs are and what are the decisions and what are the the semantics the meanings behind that and that's why catalog is important to keep track of all these things. Let's check the shape of the data, right? So if, if, if we look at the ages of people and we have a bunch of people who are 200 years old, well, that's a problem right there. Let's get the business folks and the subject matter experts involved in the beginning to understand what those trade-offs are. Uh, and I think also we need to start thinking about modeling uh, with, with resilience in mind and how that's going to happen. Every good design decision looks at cost, benefit, and risk. important takeaway um bob bob moogley again he's bringing up again semantic layers and knowledge so semantic layer for him is how you model the business and i think one of my favorite definitions crisp and, and concise a metric is a function applied over the relationships between business entities the metric is a function over a semantic layer. That semantic layer is a relationship between business entities. And making these business models executable, that's what you're able to go do in, an, in with a knowledge graph.
0: And by the way, on Bob, I love his ability to simplify these concepts and make it so clear. And I love that Bob, coming from this deeply relational, warehouse oriented background, is saying that the future is knowledge graphs, it's semantic layers. That's a lot of validation that this is a, a, an important thing that we need to look at. Exactly.
1: Chad Sanderson, he, so many topics that we had. That's a, a brilliant episode. We asked, so where does this logic knowledge level live? Like he's, and he says, there needs to be a knowledge layer a semantic layer that needs to be a very important thing and we've been doing this in the past right it's enterprise erd diagrams it was the way how we were doing this in the past but those usually just were pretty pictures or pdf files or whatever like the next what we're, we need to go do today is to make that more executable going back to bob's point is that these business models are going to be make executable um and then the, the but the issue today is that these erd diagrams right architecting this up front this is an art that has been lost and why is it lost? Because hey, the startup model is that we don't have time to architect the data, right? We need to go move very, very fast. We need to go build services. We need to make money fast. And and, and that, that that should be our focus. But if you look at the like the fan companies, right, they started that way, right? They build their apps and they made a bunch of money. And then they and they said, we're gonna go clean this up later. So you have to reverse engineer the business concepts that were happening with all this, with all the work that was happening. Um, but guess what? Most companies they aren't tech companies like the Fangs. So you should not be following the, pro- the the processes that they did. You should be able to go spend time and go do that technology, that transformation and modeling up front. So why did it work before? I mean, we've been doing all these semantic models before. And, and his argument that it was speed and it's slow. Like, we need to figure out a ways how to do this fast and iterative. So we need to be agile about it. We need to do version control. We need to use cloud. Uh, we need to make sure we're not boiling the ocean. The thing is that people take the path of least resistance. So we really need to make this easy. So it's still something that uh, I think there's an open field here to be done. I think we're really looking forward to what's coming up next around this. Another awesome conversation we had was with Nick Handel, who's a CEO of Transform. His definition of a semantic layer. Very specific. You're mapping tables to the classes, to the main concept, like orders and products. Every single row of that table are individual instances of that class, and all those columns are the attributes. Basically, you have those, those wide tables. That table means a concept right there. Now, what happens today is that we the abstraction is at such a lower level, so we don't really understand this. So the semantic layer is an abstraction, so it's at the at the layer of what the end users want to go do. Now, metrics today, how they're being defined, are just a bunch of SQL queries that are just super complicated over that lower level abstraction. But with the s- semantic layer, right, we're now having those metrics, those calculations over at a higher level abstraction. I always say computer science at the end of the day is just understanding what level of abstraction that you want to go work on. And we need to have that at data too. And and why why are why are we looking at metrics right now is because hey we now have a bunch of compute like we can go do this and we have easy ways of scheduling jobs so again going back to sarah's point we're going to this pendulum i think we've gone so much we've we've gone to the pendulum of focusing on data infrastructure and now we're going back and focusing on the semantics and the metrics layer Mm -hmm. so i think uh if we're going to be more data driven we need to be able to provide this data in that higher level abstraction um because today, what we see, I like, I love this quote. We don't do ELT. We do ELT T and keep going on, right? We, we we agree that hey, self-service without a semantic layer is truly not possible. So users need to be able to go interact with uh, interact with that semantic layer. My personal dream is like, any if you have a semantic layer, your metrics queries should literally be really small snippets of queries, SQL queries, or whatever. That's what's going to be a success right there and hey we need to get people in the room to be able to go understand what this stuff means so it is that people process and by what i would be talking about the knowledge first approach and guess what catalogs yes they need to be able to go manage and catalog all those metrics We also talked with Francois Scharf. I was in live at the Knowledge Graph Conference with him. He is the chair of the Knowledge Graph Conference. Uh, So we talked about obviously Knowledge Graphs. Um, Complex problems cannot be solved easily with SQL, right? You need to have a much more expressive language, expressive way of modeling these things. That's where Knowledge Graphs come in. And ultimately the goal is to automate decision-making. And the kind of the best ways to go start with this is look at metadata management I think this is something that we go say that that's why even Bob was saying your first kind of application on a knowledge graph should be of governance of metadata management because the modeling around that is kind of a little bit more simpler than just the entire world over there. Another aspect could be also MDM, which probably we should just call it identity management. Uh, we always talk about the word ontologies and we've kind of for so long been afraid of the word ontology, but hey, let's not be afraid of that right now because that's how we define the semantics of meaning. And honestly, a knowledge graph without an ontology is completely naked. And actually, at the Knowledge Graph Conference, the keynote was Bob Moogley. And I think if anybody is kind of just skeptical about knowledge graphs, just go send them our podcast episode. The keynote episode, the keynote that they had there, is the CEO, the former CEO of Snowflake, a relational data ware data warehouse company, is telling the world that the next wave is knowledge and knowledge graph. Like this is a big, big thing you should be paying attention to. The ultimate vision here is that hey. The future, the future should not be about asking an agent, a software agent, uh, for information. It should be about empowering that agent to make decisions for you.
0: Oh, well, that was an interesting part of the conversation. I really yeah. so it's we were, like we were like, isn't it supposed to be like Siri, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. it shouldn't be like Siri. It should be something where it does it for, for you. you.
1: Exactly, and it's like you're you. That's why you think metrics are important because you need to understand what the objective, the what is the objective function of your company, and you want to go maximize that. So this is really thinking kind of next level. I really love this conversation, and then our last conversation about kind of on knowledge and semantics and modeling was the one that we just had later last week with Ergus Um People have changed their opinions about data models, right? I think with the modern data stack today, uh, and with like this the notion that we want to have speed, speed, let's go do fast things, we go do all this ad hoc modeling. All these we do this modeling just for this particular use case. And that's the problem because we start having this ELTTTT, as Nick was saying all the time. So what we really need to start thinking about is understanding what those use cases are and, again, understanding what the main concepts are. So um, how do we get started? Ergus had a great approach of saying, you know what? Take that ad hoc query that is being used for the most popular dashboard and try to understand it. Reverse engineer it. Try to understand what are the business concepts behind these things. And guess what? Again, something that's coming up is like, we need to have the right people in the room. We need to have the right business stakeholders. And let's go talk about what this customer thing is. And, and, you, and you tie them in the room and let's go figure out what this business workflow, the business process. Let's go draw the bubbles and lines on the whiteboard and see what people think about these stuff. Um, and I think this is another topic that has come up recently is business literacy. I think it's, imp- once, you, once you get... who would be the data engineer or the analytics engineer, like they're talking to those end users and those the, the subject matter experts, they're actually understanding more of the business. So we need more of this business literacy. Not
0: just teaching the business data literacy. It's teaching the data people business literacy. Exactly.
1: And something I will never forget is when we were talking about, hey, what are the skills that we need? We're not talking about, I was expecting, what are the technical skills? And it ended up being, and it, I don't want to. I'm going to find. I'm going to stop myself saying soft skills because I don't. I don't like that word. This is yeah. like. This is like the foundation of the skills that we need to have, uh, in in this industry. We need to be empathetic, and we need to be curious. I mean, those are the next level of the skills we need to be focusing on to take knowledge to the next level. Yet you you need to be able to get so excited and get a kick out of. Wow, I helped the business actually solve that problem, which I know how we're making money or saving money because I was empathetic to be able to go understand it. understanding means semantics. So I, I like how he Erga said he's on a discovery mission to really understand what's going on in the business. Um, and at the end, one of the problems that we talk about and I need to get this t-shirt it says boil the ocean. Don't boil the ocean. Um, we need to start with the use cases. We say this over and over again but we don't do this yes go start with the use cases. go catalog the use cases have a bottoms up approach to understand what is what are the 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 ad hoc queries and go to try to 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 reverse engineer this and we do this in software let's go refactor it's fine it's not going to be perfect from the beginning we'll go refactor we go iterate and follow that dry principle don't repeat yourself yep all right number three leadership
0: damn that semantic layer was pretty, pretty hot. All right, we're moving on to the next leadership. So uh, um, the third big theme that came up here was around leadership in data and, and more broadly. And going back to Cutten Zero, she said that it is not enough to just put data into the boardroom, right? You need to put data people in the boardroom. You need to put the data analyst who built the spreadsheet and built the slides in the room, in the boardroom, so that when people are like, oh, that's a good question. I wonder what you mean by that. Oh, we'll go, we'll go take a look at that, right? Like, no, the person who made the slide is there. They're going to be able to weigh in and help you all, right? And maybe they probably even answer the question right there real time. And maybe they understand how the business works a little better than the people in the room, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's a really important aspect here to think about leaders. Is how do we bring data, um, not just be more data driven and more be more data literate, but hey, let's empower data people, right? Um, so really important and hire more C-level data leaders. She kind of said that like it doesn't have to stop at the chief data officer. Let's we can do more than this. Yep. We can do better, right? Um, Emily Hawkins, going back to her, she said, um, you know, she was really thinking about like a lot how how data leadership has changed and um, the importance of data leadership being able to trust the data team uh, and building that trust. And that trust actually is a really key factor in the sort of the success of data in an organization. How do you foster trust? How do you make sure that data leaders create a culture of trust in the data? Uh, And actually, their VP um, went to CEO. Well, she kind of talked about the story about how like why, like why are we moving to this new paradigm of data? And it's so these leaders are getting elevated up in the organization who want to use these new data approaches, who want to use these new modern data stack tools. And so uh, that's sort of the new generation of leadership, the next people moving into those leadership positions are changing the way that we're thinking. Uh, and in her case, there was this uh, story she gave about this VP moving to the CEO position and making the changes in that way. Um, Dora, the senior director of data strategy and architecture over at Stryker, talked about the importance of leaders in data setting the right foundation. She said, um, am I building a ranch or a three-story home? Right. So thinking about like, depending on what it is that you're trying to do here with your data, with your organization around data, you're gonna take a different approach. Uh, and you really wanna think about like like, what am I doing? What am I trying to do here? What is the foundation I'm building? Uh, and sort of what is the story that you're trying to tell around your data. Um, You want to understand the the what, the why, and the how, and what's in it for you around your data. And leaders play a really key role in asking those questions, creating a culture where those questions are going to be asked. And overall, communication is key. She really pressed on the importance of communication between leaders, from leaders to everyone in the organization and beyond. Uh, Going back to Luke Slotwinski, Um, he talked about how it's so important for data leaders to take a Socratic approach. You need to challenge those in your organization to use data, right? That person who's been in the organization for 20 years and, and still doesn't know how to use Excel, you need, to, you need to get them going, like, hey, man, use some data, learn the data, you got to do it, and, and set an expectation within the organization that folks should get their hands dirty with data, and you as the leader should get hands on data. He talked about how he himself gets his hands dirty with the BI tools and with the data itself. He's in there, he's involved, and that's the only way you're going to demonstrate that you're an expert and that you're setting the, the, the tone, you're creating that culture, and so that you teach people to fish. Right? And people aren't gonna learn how to fish if that expectation isn't there. Um, he talked about how execs need to dig deeper into the why themselves before going to the data team right So rather than just immediately saying like hey whatever's top of mind my questions like hey data team blah, blah, blah. and then the data team of course is like oh the CEO just asked for something I guess we better go work on that right um, Like think critically about those questions Go a couple clicks before you actually go to that data team because you'll learn a lot yourself. And you'll actually bring better-formed questions to the data team. They're going to be more efficient, they're going to be more effective. Um, He talked about how the chief financial officer um, is is usually very data-driven. They need to be very data-driven, but it shouldn't just stop with them. It should be the rest of the leadership as well that's getting involved in that data, and that the CFO and all the leaders in the organization should get training. They should get training like analysts do and learn how to use these tools and learn how to ask these questions, learn about things like bias, learn about things like statistics, right? So – and he asked – and he said, you need to ask why, why, why. So um, three whys, five whys, however many whys, ask more why, right? Uh, so I think that's a really important takeaway from Luke. Uh, I, I do want yeah. to add
1: one more thing. He's like, Luke – Luke is a fantastic leader. Who in and at the Snowflake Summit a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about uh, how from the leadership, the CEO, data quality is a priority, and they tied data quality to like twenty five percent of the bonuses of everybody. And they were making, they were showing all these arguments that. If I have the right quality is what, how much money I'm going to make and if I have the bad quality, how much money I'm going to lose. Like mm-hmm. that is tremendous leadership. I really, really applaud the folks, Luke and the folks at Prologis. They're an example of what is
0: data leadership. Yeah. T- and tying metadata and governance to business results. Exactly. Literally what
1: makes money, what saves money. That's a super example.
0: Yep. Um, So uh, Steve Perry, uh, Director of Data and Analytics at Genius Sports joined us and we talked about uh, imposter syndrome and how, you know, the data community is so fast changing. uh, And in in some cases, you know, people can move up into leadership uh, positions very quickly. And it's easy to wonder, like, people are looking to me for the answers, but the answers are not always clear. Um, And how do you handle that and how do you be smart about it and how do you always be learning right and that the importance of leaders to both always be learning and be recognizing of that and also embrace imposter syndrome, like, it's okay to not know something, it's okay to admit it, and it's okay to not boil the ocean, right, because sometimes we can get a little over ambitious, our eyes can be bigger than our stomach, uh, unless we have a little bit of humility. Um, he mentioned uh, the importance of leaders to pick their battles. Is it worth dying on that hill? Can you get the internal support? Um, can you get these uh, opinions from others in the organization who may think a little bit differently, right? Uh, and uh, even if you're wrong, um, you know, if you are honest and you're open, uh, people want to help you, right? They empathize with people who are trying and are trying to solve the problem. Um, he talked about, have conversations with smaller communities, find those smaller communities within your company, find them in the broader community, right? Whether it's in social, whether it's meetups and things like that. Uh, he talked about the importance of networking, finding peers, how much value and information you can get from your peers and the value of one-on-ones. And I know that's something that that Juan and I talk about a lot as well is just the value of one-on-ones, having one-on-ones with not just people within your company, but across the industry, smart people getting together and talking, right? Yep. Um, and he talked about the importance of company culture. If you are not part of a small community, find that community, allow people to be open, create that culture of openness and do things like create guilds in your organization and find those guilds. Uh, and he said that data expert is like a life expert. So
1: <laughs> they don't exist.
0: They don't exist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's another good quote right there. Data. So if you call, hear somebody saying I'm a data expert, B.S.
0: Yep. Nobody's nobody's truly a data expert. Nobody's truly a life expert. Um, But we try. We try, don't we? Right? Okay. Um, Brett Hurt, CEO and co-founder of Data.World, joined us. Uh, And that was exciting because we were like, when's when's Brett going to join us, right? So, um, And uh, Brett finally did uh, from Data.World. And he talked about sort of this challenging economic environment that we find ourselves in and how data can be really, really important to getting yourself out of that. Um, And the way that you're going to be effective when things get challenging uh, by leaning into your data is really understanding your customers, really understanding the users, knowing their pain. Don't just get stuck in your bubble or the jargon, right? Uh, And he gave a really great anecdote, a really great story around Sam Walton to really, really focus on knowing the business, knowing the metrics, knowing your customers, and avoiding the use of bullshit metrics and information and how that can be a big difference maker when you're building your company and especially uh, navigating these challenging times. Um, Companies that focus on being data-driven are the ones that can weather. Uh, Pain can create focus. Right. And so if you lean into the challenge, a lot of times uh, that will create uh, both the answers as well as the cultural resiliency. You will come out the other side stronger Uh, when everything is going great. Sometimes things can get kind of sloppy. Right. And so even when things are going great, sometimes it's good. We talked earlier about sort of the chaos monkey or something like that. You got to really be thinking about that. Right do you truly know your facts, right? Do you really know how many customers you have? Do you really know the pain that your end users are having? Maybe you should go hang out at the actual retail location and go talk to some customers and things like that, right? Not just as leaders, but also just as data professionals, right? We can learn from our stakeholders. Uh, And then he also talked about public benefit corporations of which data.world happens to be one and the importance of having a company that has a protected mission. And for those of you that don't know much about public benefit corps or about B corps, definitely hop onto Google, search for that. It's super interesting, just as oriented around profit as a C corp, but really focused on that benefit mission, which we think is a really important idea and a way to empower better leadership. And then finally, Kieran Dines, uh, from Matillion talked about information bias. Uh, what are the things that we see in the data uh, that um, you know is potentially crap, right? Sometimes people <laughs> uh, people find crap and and it's real. Sometimes people are claiming crap and it's not real, and they're just you know and they and they're just causing a fuss about nothing, right? How do you how do you know though? Like how do you know what's real and what's not? How do you surface bias? um that's hard
1: i, I love that except it was like hey marketing people say the leads are great but you go talk to the sales people they're saying they're crap so somebody's right somebody's right. wrong who's right and who's wrong
0: go figure right. that out that's it's tough it's tough and um you know it shouldn't just be about data literacy it should also be about business literacy he talked about that and he talked about a great example over at bmw where um uh they had to really prove with the data that something was going to be effective before they would get the budget for it but at the same time they had a hackathon culture so leaders really embracing let's be data driven but combine that with agility so that way it's not analysis paralysis it's analysis to go faster right um so I found this on the web Nope. Siri is a little overactive there. Um, So um, before we move back to Juan here, a quick commercial. So uh, this episode is brought to you by Data.World, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data stack. Data.World makes data discovery governance and analysis easy, turning data workers into knowledge superheroes. So to learn more, please visit the website at data.world. So over to you, Juan, on the next topic.
1: Oh, I do want to follow up one more thing that Karen said, which I really like, is diversity diversity culture in a company is so mm-hmm. important because that helps us to understand the the different types of biases that we could have.
0: Absolutely. So that's an
1: important aspect. All right. So let's go talk now about our fourth one, business value. So we talked actually a couple of weeks ago, live at Snowflake Summit with Peter Kapoor from WM and like, why do we continue to talk? Like, where is the business value and stuff? And he's like, he was very specific. It's because we still live in this technical centric world. And and, and we want to go control that. I mean, that's that. So we we need to go have this shift from a technical to the social technical aspects, understand what that data means and how that is actually contributing. We, we really need to go listen. The problem is that we don't go talk to enough people. And um, if we don't listen, it's like you're like the IRS. You come in to collect people's taxes and stuff. Don't be the IRS. You need to be an enabler for this, right? So we, I mean, technology is always going to be part of it. And we're like talking about the, the value of catalogs. It's like, well, if you you need to be have you need to have a way to enable people to go find and discover the things that they need, so they can be really really efficient. So that's the value. having to start thinking about these things. Um, We've talked about there's all these industry best practices, but you know what? Are they really best practices? Really try to understand what makes sense. your organization what is the problem that you're solving and what we really need to go do is that when we have the data team and the business team talking to each other we really need to be honest and no bs and say what's in it for me business people saying why should i go spend time with you what's in it for me and if the data team is not able to go answer that guess what they are not able to articulate the value articulate the pain of trying to go solve they need to go do a better job around that stuff um that's why you need to go embed yourself inside the business and really focus and understand those uses, uh, use cases. This is why business literacy is so crucial right now. And it's okay if we're failing. Let's go re- understand where we're failing to go fix that stuff, right? I think a really un- another important thing is like, you need to be invited to the table. If you are being told you have to be to the table, people are like, oh, well, that's that compliance. That's that person mm-hmm. who needs to be there. No, you want to be invited because that means that. Oh, people want you because you have you're bringing answers to their problems. Mm -hmm. And hey, it's fine if you don't solve the problem perfectly. Actually, start small, iterate, and you'll get better and better. And uh, we'll talk more about privacy in a bit. But we also had Trisha Thane, who is the CEO of Private AI, and she brought up something really interesting when it comes to business value says, hey, people talk about privacy. That can be actually a competitive advantage. Uh, look at companies like DuckDuckDogo. Uh look at companies uh I mean like Apple has privacy for them. Like that is a core part of their business, mm-hmm. right? So you it's it's really an opportunity to show how you're doing things with data. So we can look at, look at it that. It doesn't just way. have
0: to be a liability. It can actually be something that makes you stand out and creates that business value. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then Sarah Krasnick, she was awesome. Was actually, I reached out to her originally because she had this great post about the value that the modern data stack is giving. And I love how we just go to the basics. It's like, what is the value? Like, you need to know how much time you're saving, how much money you're making. Like we real all the data work that we need to go do, we should be able to go tie it to money that's being made, money that's being saved, time. I mean, how to be more efficient? We need to be able to go show that um what are the requirements around this thing let's we we need to get good requirements right we need to be able again this is the knowledge first world we need to go talk to more people right that's why we need to go pair the data teams with the domain so we can understand what that business is understand that context what is important for your business every business has they have okrs they have their north star that they agree upon what is is it revenue number of users conversions rate understand what that is and make sure that that's also your focus for for the data work you're doing so that was business value
0: Mm -hmm. so tons of great takeaways there on business value uh fifth item here so second to last is governance right Governance. Scary word? Friendly word? I don't know. What do you think about it? Um, I think definitely we all know that governance is required, right? And this came up in a lot of cases across a lot of our different guests. So Dora Buzas, for example, talked about how we need to make sure that as part of governance, we are engaging with the right stakeholders, right? Who are the right people to bring to the table to talk about and engage with and ensure that we have good governance, right? So think a lot about the who when it comes to governance. So you're bringing the right people together, maybe people who are already very involved in governance in the organization, although maybe they don't quite know it, right? Who are those experts? Who are those stewards when things go wrong that you can talk to and get involved, right? Governance is there to facilitate. I think that was a huge theme across the board around governance. There's a, there's a, there's a huge shift in thinking about governance as a policing function to governance as an enablement function. Uh, And that's been huge because now it brings governance away from sort of security and IT and sort of that world, like it certainly has one foot in that world and actually brings it into the analysis world, right? And brings governance closer to the data teams that are actually working with the data itself, right? Uh, Laura Madsen, who um, authored, Disrupting Data Disrupting Governance. Disrupting Data Governance. A
1: must-read book.
0: You've got to check it out. Um, she has these great, bold ideas and, and concepts around how to be effective while governance while also rethinking governance. Uh, and she talked about in the past, as you heard me mention earlier, it's, it was about command and control. It was more of a policing function, the sort of IRS function, right? Um, that, uh, oh, like, you know, these are the exact definitions and sort of like this fear-mongering approach and things like that. But that is so short-term focused, that is so slap the wrist focused, right? And ultimately what happens is that people go around you, they, they they find other ways to get done what they're gonna do and governance fails, right? Uh, and she really talked about how data governance is a long-term activity. You have to be thinking about what works in the long-term building those relationships and simplifying. She pressured a lot on, you got to think about how you can simplify governance. Don't, don't boil the ocean. Don't make it so complicated. Um, she talked about sort of four key aspects to governance. She talked about usage, right? What are people using? Lineage. How are these things connected together? How was it derived, right? Protection. How do you keep your data safe? And then she talked about, um, quality, right? How, are, how how can you make sure that um, that uh, this is the right data and that it's uh, available on time, et cetera, right? Usage, lineage, protection, quality. Uh, and then she talked about sort of a fifth component, which is around the metrics, where you really should be measuring all of this, being very data-driven about it. Um, and she said that if you want to start with data governance, um, first of all, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. Don't feel like you got to reinvent everything just because you read something and you're like, oh, well, that's a cool new approach. Maybe we should do that. Right. Um, If something is working, don't 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 change it because you might make it worse. Uh, And that wouldn't be good. Right. So um, find the command and control issues. Right. Uh, And figure out a way to democratize it, make it more inclusive. Put people first. Uh, Be clear about what you need and articulate clearly what you need. So clarity and communication, very important. And then finally, agility, right? You need to be able to focus on delivering the work, iterate, implement governance one use case at a time, measure success with governance in days and weeks, not in months or years. Bob Muglia also talked about governance when he was talking with us. Governance, he said, is the bridge between the modern data stack and the future of knowledge graph. So he's actually saying that governance is what's going to take us from modern data stack to this knowledge graph that we want to put at the center of sort of intelligence in our companies as well as the broader world. And governance is where ultimately people are really struggling a lot today. Uh, It inherits a lot of the problems that the upstream applications has, and it has to wrangle with all of that, try to make it safe, try to understand it, and that's really, really challenging. And he said that the first knowledge graph that you as a company will implement is of your metadata. Your first knowledge graph is your metadata, and governance is your first data app on that. So that's really important. And that's one of the reasons why metadata management governance catalogs are a really important part to wrapping around and try to make your data more effective and manage it better Um, he said that um, you start with a catalog and you build up your data model and governance is ultimately what it evolves into and it's a really important data application that everyone is going to implement nong lee over at akira said that policy is also really an important part of governance getting access to data more quickly and compliant. So it's that whole, you gotta be safe, but you gotta be fast, right? Um, seatbelts are for driving faster, right? It's the old analogy of you drive in the car, are seatbelts so that we can go slower? No, the seatbelts are so we can drive fast safely. The brakes. Well, also brakes, <laughs> brakes too. He talked about seatbelts. We talked about brakes. <laughs> brakes. What, what are the rules of the road for, right? Why do we have to have highways and, and green lights and red lights, right? So that way we can drive faster. Um, and, and that's important in our own organizations, right? Sometimes we've. this goes back to the whole governance is policing, right? If you take a policing approach, then that's going to often result in slowing down. If you think in terms of safe enablement, right? How can we go faster safely? Then that's how you get to more of these rules of the road. Um, He talked about the right policy being a business decision, which is important because a lot of people often think about policy as being maybe a technical decision or something that's a data decision. It's a business decision. Some of it's legal and compliance, but some of it's just being a good citizen. And he talked about Apple and how they've really made privacy and policy security part of their brand. Now, whether you think it's marketing or whether you think it's reality, it's effective at really helping your consumers understand, it. and it connects to what Patricia Thane said about leveraging privacy and policy and security as a different uh, advantage. You said that there's a lot of different types of policy, too. There's simple policy, which is like marking data that's it's public, right? Intermediate policy, like anonymizing data, uh, and more advanced things like differential privacy, where maybe an item by itself is not a problem, but that item in combination with an address in combination with a first name in combination with knowing the birth date, oh, all of a sudden now you can identify somebody, right? And and that's where differential privacy may be an important policy. And he talked about centralization versus decentralization and how um, if you can do things as code around policy, then you'll be able to actually do a better job of centralizing your policy definitions, be able to have versions of your policy and being able to actually uh, be declarative about your policy, which is not something that usually a policy can be quite fuzzy. It can be black. uh, It can be very gray. And he he really advocated, no, you should really strive for going black and white. No more.
1: uh, uh, It's a text in a PDF document. We need to make that executable. Right. Right. Again, executable knowledge. That's why the knowledge graphs come out. Is your
0: policy executable? Patricia Thane talked a bunch about privacy. Definitely check out her episode if you're curious to learn more about data privacy and the nuances of that space. Uh, And she said that privacy is about giving control to the users. Security is about keeping things safe. And that without security, you can't have privacy. Because if if it's possible, the data could get in the wrong hands. That's not going to allow you to give that control and that and that's uh, that safety to the to the users, right? So those two things are intertwined in an important way. And that there's a misconception about privacy. People do care about privacy. She advocated. And if you give them the option and you make it easy for them, they will choose privacy and they will choose to take control of that. But you got to make it easy. You got to make it accessible, right? Uh, and um, uh, she said that if you want to, uh, what is she, I think we asked her, like, what do you do for fun? And she was like, oh, I like to read privacy policies or something. It's a good like way to <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> and, and and I think it brought up something, it brought up an interesting conversation. It was like, do you read the p- privacy policies? Like, maybe we should actually pay attention more to privacy policies. And then there's an opportunity for us as businesses to actually make our privacy policies more engaging, more interesting. Like, we can do a better job of making privacy communicative. Yep. Um, and then finally, Shane Gibson, our friend over in New Zealand. Um, amazing, amazing conversation with Shane. Uh, and he said that agile means so many things. It is ultimately though, a mindset, right? It is identifying the patterns that work with you work for you and experimenting with them. That following a script is not the end all be all that documentation is important and that understanding the value of the end users and the customers is so important. And that if they change their mind, if you change your mind that you can be dynamic um, and that's okay, uh, but you acknowledge the consequences. So we talked about the nuances of being agile, doing it in a smart way. Um, He talked about how you want to have sort of like these stages, like a factory um, and how you want to be able to sort of pass the work to different stations uh, and thinking about the cycle times of these different things. So it was very interesting to hear from him sort of how agility and governance can actually be something that is streamlined, but also something that um, you iterate on and evolves in this dynamic over time.
1: Yeah, shout out to Shane. He has been one of our first listeners. He would when we were when we were doing live zooms uh, for the podcast. He would always join. We were having our we were having our cocktail. He was having his uh, his uh, coffee in the morning uh, in the future. Uh, and he also, if you want to learn more about Agile Data, he has an awesome podcast, uh, the Agile Data Podcast. So shout yeah, out to Shane. Thank you so out. much, Shane.
0: Yeah, thank you for being one of our earliest and most passionate watchers. We Really appreciate it. All right, so. I, The final. Is that it? Is that it? The final item? Is Is there one more? Is
1: there one more? I think. I think think. think there's one more thing that uh, (laughs) we've been talking about it every freaking episode. Are you sure?
0: I don't think it's that popular. No, it's not that popular? All right. Data mesh.
1: Finally. The best for last. All right. All right. So let's start off with. So Dora comes up and she says, okay, this data mesh thing, like, is it really new? Like, she went off to the fourth thing. She said, decentralized, like, ownership. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, data's in different places. People own these things. Like we've already been doing this. Data is a product. That reminds me of the semantic layer and unified business views. We've been doing this for so long. And data services, infrastructure as a platform. Yes, we have scalable systems to go share, like data governance and have it federated. Well, of course, because centralized data governance is like a very bad thing. Who would want to go centralize everything? None of this stuff is new. But what is new is putting these four things together, making it a thing. And I think we all agree that data mesh is putting these four things, making that kind of making that the, the source of conversation. Now, the big conversation we had, I think one of my, one of my favorite episodes on data mesh is with Omar Kawaja from Broche. Uh, Also a rock star at the snowflake summit. I was saying that there has to be a Omar fan club now because everybody at the snowflake summit wanted to go talk to him. He had an encore presentation over there. So definition of data mesh it's a paradigm shift a social technical paradigm shift he is very explicit about these four pillars and he like he actually avoids the word architecture because when you say architecture people jump into the technology and he really condemns people and I so do i and we say this all the time if anybody is saying that they're going to sell your data mesh please run away as fast as you can from that vendor please do that don't forget run away so talk about domains So if you come from the software world, this isn't new for you, right? You know about these domains. And but we sometimes people kind of go to the other side of the spectrum and they get all stuck about the domains. And like, no, don't don't just go talk to people, right? It 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 and by the way, it's not necessarily the same thing that happens in your org chart. It could be if you need to go have a place to go start. Go find the right IT leaders. Go find those, he calls it the crazy bunch, or what our friend Stuart Kerber says is like, those crazy people wanted to be astronauts.
0: Who are that, your astronauts? Who are your
1: astronauts? Go find those, right? Go mobilize them. All right, data is a product. You need those people who will say, I want to take ownership responsibility of the data from my domain. Who are those people? Again, you want to go find those folks who want to take that accountability. And you want to you treat that data as a child. You want to nurture it. People are going to be using it. They're, they're going to. You're, I mean, you don't want to have just just protect it because people. If you want to go protect it all the time, then let nobody go use it. Then you're protecting all the data. Um, so th- that's a really important thing about uh, treating data as a product. Second, the federated computational governance. Some really three big words all together. Mm-hmm. I love his definition of it. Is go nuts in an organized manner there you go what does federated computational governance mean go nuts in an organized manner that is one of the best honest no bs definitions out there i love that. it and agreeing that we need minimal things for a data product that needs to be kind of in a centralized and go federate these things right uh, a lot of the life science and the semantic community talk about fair findable accessible interoperable and, and reusable data we've been talking about our abcs accountability boundaries contracts and expectations downstream consumers and explicit knowledge we need to have this framework surround these things right and it's computational because we want to be able we want systems to be able to go enforce it no one will you you need to have a catalog to be able to go manage the governance around this stuff but nobody's going to use it if it's all going to be manual so it needs that and, and that which leads us to the technology aspect yes we need technology comes in because we need to go automate things you will need it but it will not be the first thing it is an enabler actually if you want to go get on this journey of the data mesh start without the technology mm-hmm. this whole episode that we had with omar we talked technology at the end for the last couple of minutes because we said hey we didn't talk about technology let's go talk about it yeah, for we a should make minutes. sure we talk about this yeah. and actually you could go start with it and yeah let it be a little bit uh, manual and then you figure out when you just go automate it right when it comes to culture it needs to, you need to have a decentralized culture if you have a very centralized culture guess what data mesh is not going to work for you so don't bother And he went through this whole idea, whole sessions about how they have what he called an acceleration workshop. You bring the stakeholders together, figure out who who are the people are on the same page in that domain, understand what their OKRs are, right? And those folks will have the idea of what what needs to change, right? They're going to start figuring that out. They're going to start discussing. They're going to figure out what those use cases are. What keeps people up at night? I literally asked us to folks, what keeps you up at night? go start asking those questions. Go catalog those things. Uh, Literally, you should, in your data catalog, you should have a resource called business questions. And This is the business questions. I know who asked them and what are the metrics that they're expecting about and how they're associated to the business questions, because that's what's going to drive what data products you want to go generate and how you're going to make use of your data. And when you're having this acceleration workshop, there's no need to go into the details of where this data is and what tables and columns. I mean, yeah, identify what sources of data you need, but you don't need to go into those into those level of details, mm-hmm. and, and and he talks about a, a vertical slice, and I've talked about this as an iron thread. Like really try to understand the whole slice of from the data to the business value altogether, or the people. Patricia Thane. we also talk about data products and what was really interesting is that she said hey privacy should be done from the beginning because we need to encrypt at rest and in transit because a lot of the risk happens in that process and we start talking about uh, uh, the sensitive data we need to be able to go track these things and that's actually something that you want in a data product to say hey what are my contract what are my expectations Where's sensitive data how can this be used and so forth shane gibson also talked about the supply chain of the data we really need to document how this stuff works today what are the current tasks kind of the nodes in a graph and how they're connected the edges in a graph right so start with that and focus on the nodes on the tasks that are not working and that's kind of where you can figure out how to go start uh, in your whole process uh, of important data mesh um, finally chad sanderson we're talking about data contracts we really need to have a contract is an agreement between the engineers right the data producers and the consumers and saying is this what you want this is what you're gonna this is what i'm gonna give you we agree on this contract what are the slas what are the slos all right you got it and this is why when we've defined our abcs of data products contracts is one of the key things Yeah,
0: that middle c is very important
1: we came to the end That was it six six very takeaways yeah modern data stack semantics metrics knowledge leadership business value governance data mesh those are the themes of spring 2020
0: in the data world yeah i mean tons of tons of things we covered and and amazing quotes great takeaways i couldn't couldn't have, uh, All right, so couldn't have thought of a better way to learn.
1: Who wins the quote of season three? The winner of the best quote.
0: So I think that's probably going to go to Sanjeev because uh, he said, I never met a data I didn't like.
1: <laughs> I do. That's the best one, I have to say. All right. Next episode, it will be in uh, August, 24th. August 24th. We are going to be live at the Gartner, uh, conference,
0: Gartner in data and analytics. Yep. Exactly.
1: So stay tuned. We have a lot of stuff. We also have a lot of t-shirts now that we've ordered. If you like our t-shirts, please reach out to us. We're going to start sending them out to the folks who reach out to us to give us feedback.
0: Mm-hmm. So let us know what, what did you love about season three? What would you like to see us do in season four? Uh, and let's keep this conversation going and enjoy your summer. You're going to see a couple of little special things drop over the next couple of We're going to have some, we're to have have some surprises. Weeks. We're
1: going to have more content coming out. I do want to have a special shout out to Carly, who is our producer. Uh, she is here every single week and making sure that everything goes smoothly. So thank you, Carly. Thank you, Carly. Uh, and as always, thanks to Data.World. You let us do this every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Uh, check out Data.World, Enterprise Data Catalog for the Modern Data Stack. And with that... Tim,
0: cheers. This is Catalog and Cocktails.
1: A special thanks to
0: Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Catalog and Cocktails fan base.